Welcome to episode nine of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy, and with me in the studio is the most amazing co-host anyone could ask oh, for, Mr. Matt Leach. Shucks. Yes, I am here, and we are sitting in a very different space we this are. time. So we're sitting in Mentally Friendly's Sydney office. Yep. In the what is this? Is this a user testing room or? Yeah, I think this is a client workshop room that we're in at the moment. There's a lot of cork on the walls and some strange-looking paraphernalia in the corner. <laughs> um, that's John's. But, yeah, so thank you very much to John and Nick and, and all the team here um, to have us. Um, new thing we're trying, just to see, to, to have a look around. They've got an amazing building here, um, but also to get us out of that our hot little cupboard. Yeah. So Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Yeah. But today, more importantly, we have with us Julie Factor. Um, Julie is a writer and creative director and has been in the industry for over 15 years, both here in Australia and also in San Francisco. Julie has worked in, with, with all manner of people in studios, from everyone from Frost, Brand Council, Goodby, Silverstone and Partners, and in Australia is probably best known for her time as the creative group head of Moon. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thank you. It's nice to be here. Is there anything I've missed on that? I mean, I, I didn't actually talk about your freelance. Obviously, you're, you're quite well known for your freelance writing now. Uh, actually, for the last... I've just started something that's been going for about a year now. Oh, tell us. Uh, it's called Yonder, Yonder Communications, with actually my old sort of designer, art director, partner at Moon, a guy called Benjamin Gay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's been going kind of, I suppose, gangbusters. But, uh, wow. So what? So talk to us more about Yonder. So if um, if you had to write on or sell it to us in an elevator, oh, oh, the elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we specialise in um, in advertising and branding communications. Mm-hmm. I think we're quite an interesting mix in that um, both of us have worked both in mainstream advertising but also in design. Um, ben also has a very strong digital background, so. Um, we're a, a very powerful duo, I think. There's just two of us um, full-time, and then depending upon our projects, we scale up or down. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't scale down, really. Um, we only scale up. Yeah. Yeah. That's good news. So we've been working, um, we've been working with some, uh, some good clients. We've done some nice projects, and then we've also been collaborating with other, sometimes design agencies, sometimes advertising agencies, digital agencies, and we kind of bring a little bit of um, branding communications to what they're doing. Is it interesting? I, have you seen the Tim Busing talk from Sex, Drugs, Helvetica? No. It's been, it's been trending, oh, has it? which is great for Tim because it, it's a really good talk, but he was talking all about the collaboration, mm. and at one point in the, the talk he gets everyone to stand up and then slowly sits people down if they haven't really been collaborating with other design studios or other advertising studios and everything. And, and I think he's left with only a handful at the very end who enjoy collaborating and have built stronger relationships with other groups. Mm. So what is it about collaborating that you, you really enjoy? Is it bringing extra skill in or is it just to get a completely different view? It's interesting working with, with other sort of specialist agencies. So when you work in a design agency... You come in and they're, they're, they're kitted out with all the right people and all the right things. And, and Ben and I can bring our, I guess, um, more sort of comms background to, to the work that they're doing. You know, and then when you work with digital people, you know, they, they've got so much expertise there and it's really nice to kind of bring what you do well into that environment. You know, and you learn a lot and, um, yeah, I've... I've it kind of mixes it up and, and you get to work on maybe clients that you wouldn't have access to otherwise certainly not in a year out so what 
we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the, your typical sort of day and, and you said, I don't know whether I've ever had a typical day. Oh, I haven't had a typical day since, since um, I left regular work because, you, um, goodness, it, I'm no longer just doing the creative work or the writing. You have to be the account person and the new business person and the you know, traffic manager. You have to do so many things. And, and also the kind of project. So, you know, we've worked on um, big mainstream advertising campaigns and we've, you know, we've gone in and done little, um, little bits of brand work for a digital company and we've done a, we, we did an identity for a fact. You know, we've done so much stuff that it, like, it, it's, um, it's, it, there's just no rhyme or reason to how the day is going to go. Yeah. So I, I work with um, uh, Ben, who's my partner and founded their company with me. And the two of us work primarily together, which I think is very different from, say, um, a design perspective mm. where you, know, you usually work quite separately. Uh, and uh, so, so we, kind of, we sort of discuss what we've got going on and what has to happen and sort of we divide and conquer and we come back together and... And, and what's the working situation at the moment? Because it's a smaller business. Are you, do you have your own space? Are you working with others? Yeah, we've working? got our own space in Surrey cool. Hills. Oh, cool. Uh, We're neighbours. Street, yeah. Oh, in Kibaks, yeah, cool. Very close. Uh, yeah, there's another design, there's a couple of design studios in there. So that's quite good. Um, yeah. You know, there's some architects. and But being surrounded by other people who, who are a bit further down the track than us. Yeah. Um, kind of sharing things to watch out for. and. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, like, kind of giving you a little sort of... I guess directing direction points or kind of signals to what to be here. Is there anything that has been a major thing that you've said? Oh, okay, glad I know that now. Um, well, we ha- we've had a really good run, so nothing bad has happened. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. But Knock everyone sort of yeah. says this, there's it's like it's a really steep learning curve, and it's not difficult, but you don't kind of know what you don't know until suddenly you do know. Yeah. So. Um, I find that a bit comforting to just know that everyone starts out like this and you just learn, kind of learn as you go. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your San Francisco history mm-hmm. um, because you went over there quite early, like 99, I think it was. Yeah, 99. Yeah. And, and you were there for what we now know as the dot-com boom. Yeah. I guess, and I'm, I'm just so interested in... And what that is, well, what, what it felt like to be there and, and what the creative community was like. Well, so the reason I went there is I won, um, I won the green card lottery. So I entered quite randomly. So I wasn't actually expecting to move to the US. It was a big surprise. I won it. And then I felt like I was obligated, you know, that if this thing happens, you know, the yeah. world's telling you something. So <laughs> I traveled through and I, um, and I went to LA and I went to New York and, um, San Francisco was really where it was happening, like in a in a massive way. It was it was like a, it was a boom town for creativity. More, more so than New York. Uh, New, New York was conservative. I mean, wow. there was nothing happening. It was just big agencies doing you know sort of big. What they always did. Quite dull work. Mm. And uh, in San Francisco, there was all these new companies, and they had all this money, and um, and there were all these little startup uh, agencies and studios, and and the work was phenomenal. Like the, the work on the street was phenomenal. You know, the, I was always amazed just walking to work. You know, the the advertising you see on the on the buses and on the billboards were of the quality that I, in Australia I was looking at in in annuals. Mm. So it, it really felt exciting to to be around so much of that. 
and I, I got a job at uh, Goodby Silverstein and Partners, which is a terrific agency there. And suddenly all the people that were doing all this great work, they were just people in, in the corridor. Yeah. So I got access to such in, incredible thinkers. It was terrific. And so how, how did... So when you got there, was the dot-com boom already happening or did you see it kind of emerge? Uh, no, it was already happening. Um, yeah, I was like, uh, E-Trade was going bananas and... Um, yeah, there was all of these little companies starting up, and I, I was there. I was there for six years in all, and it collapsed while I was there. Um, wow! So, what was that like? I mean, it's quite sobering because you know I, I can't remember the, the the numbers, but I do remember there was round upon round of layoffs, and you, just when you think you can't get smaller, suddenly there's an all staff meeting, and you know everyone's looking around to see who isn't there, to you know to see who made yeah. it and who didn't, and. Um, and it, it, it felt very much just luck, whether you were one of the ones that stayed or bad luck if you were one of the ones that had to go. Um, but the agency I was at handled it incredibly well. I, was, I, always, I always felt quite a lot of admiration for the way they handled their layoffs because, you know, they, they allowed people to stay and work in their office for, you know, an extra three months. You know, they just opened up the agency to, wow. to make life as an easier transition. There was never a sense that they had done the wrong thing and they were being kicked out. It was... It was just really unfortunate circumstances. And did when when we talk about the dot com crash, um, for all, all of us over here, it, it looks like it almost happened overnight, and suddenly it was like the the rug was pulled out from everyone. Was that what it was like when you were actually there, or, or did you see it coming? I didn't see it coming. I definitely didn't see it coming. But it, it seemed to just happen in stages, and at each stage, you felt like, oh, okay that's tough and you think that you're kind of at the bottom and it will get better and then it would it would fall out again so there were there were people that had to leave the city to find work you know they take their kids and their um, partner and and move which I, I mean I couldn't comprehend if that happened in Sydney I'm like where would you go yeah um at least there were options in the U.S. there were other cities that they could move to um, you know, real estate, just, uh, I was renting there. Rent, I think, halved in the time. Wow. Um, was, you know, I think when I first moved there, the rents were, like, more expensive than New York. It was the most expensive city to live in, um, but not so much when I left. Wow, and so, and did you, this is really, <laughs> I'm just interested. Um, did, did you literally, did you move then? to like another place that was cheaper or did, were the landlords actually dropping the rent? Landlords were dropping rents. Wow. Yeah. Which, that, I mean, just that's unheard of. That doesn't so. happen. Yeah. They were dropping rents. You would, you would get the, you know, the annual letter to say, hey. <laughs> we really like we're you. We're going to pay, you know, you have to pay us less. <laughs> wow. So what was, so what happened to the city then? Like, did that... Did that really affect the whole this whole city? And I mean, you talked about before, even on the way to work, there was like you were seeing beautiful advertising and you know lovely kind of design. Did that change? Well, there was still beautiful advertising. I suppose there was there was less less of those startups, a lot of those um, less of those startup companies, those little agencies. Some of them didn't do so well. A lot of them, um, a lot did survive. Uh, I think San Francisco is a very creative town, and um, it's quite an, an eclectic town. I think, like, Sydney's very showy when you, you, you kind of know if someone's successful or if someone's interesting, generally when you first meet them. Whereas in San Francisco, it's like there's gems everywhere. And, you you know, whether that be a restaurant or a, a person that you meet, like, there's so much depth to 
mm. to the city. So it was still a pretty amazing place to be. There was a lot of full lease signs and for rent signs in all the windows. Cool, you could get a job designing the for lease signs. Yeah, you can. <laughs> um, let's fast forward a little bit to when you came back to Australia um, and you were working with, with Moon. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That's so right. is this pre-STW Moon? Uh uh, was it pre-STW? No, I don't think so. I think it was always STW Moon. Okay, cool. So you're working yeah. around with, with Chris Doyle and no, Ian Hague and things I like that? I arrived just after those guys. Just after them, And I okay. didn't know them. Yeah, yeah okay. they, they have a, a big, strong presence in the kind of Moon brand. They do. And what, was, what do you think the comparison was coming from San Francisco um, to kind of working in, in you know, Surrey Hills again? That's actually a tough question for me because... In the middle, I, I moved back. So I moved back to Sydney, and I freelanced for a couple of years. And I freelanced in the US, and I freelanced here. And um, and then I met my husband, and I had a couple of children. So I took three years off. So by the time I went back to work, I mean three years out of the industry is huge. It, mm. it, it was very different. So it's hard mm. to com- hard to compare. Yeah. Um, you know, I was amazed. <laughs> I felt like I was going to a club for the first week because everyone seemed so attractive and so well dressed. <laughs> and I'd come home, my clothes were clean. It was it was very different from you know looking after small children. But one thing that was I suppose interesting about Moon is I started um, freelancing there, and then they offered me a job after a few weeks. And they offered me a job working three days a week, which I thought was amazing because mm. I don't think advertising would have ever. An advertising agency would have ever done that, or certainly not back then. So um, I was very grateful for for the opportunity. I feel like design firms are more open to flexible ways of working than, say, advertising. Than advertising, right? Mm. Was that your first sort of step away from advertising and into design? Yeah, I didn't realise that's quite what I was doing, but yeah. (laughs) And what? How how did that feel? It was a bit of a shock, I suppose, because in advertising as a writer, you work side by side with a designer and art director and you're a creative team you work on projects together you're equally responsible for the work whereas in design the designer is responsible and a writer it's primarily a writer contributes in the way kind of in the way like a photographer might or an illustrator might you know you do your bit and the designer puts it all together and that was very hard for me it still is very hard um because i i like to get quite involved and I don't like being on the outside of the concept. So is that something you think designers might need to get better at doing? Well, I think so. I don't know if they think so. Like, (laughs) um, I don't know. Like, it's a big difference between advertising and design and uh, the way, you know, just the, the way the system is set up. And I guess if you're a designer, maybe you're quite happy with working with writers in that way. I don't think it's very fulfilling for the writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, the design industry needs to get more uh, writers, uh, well, um, more talented writers. I, I, don't, I don't think that there's a whole lot there, certainly not compared to advertising. I mean, it makes sense even if you just think about the ratio of designer to writer. You know, you go from one to one to like one to 20. Yeah. Um, you both said yeah. yes. <laughs> Great, for sure. Because um, it, when, when we've spoken before, I, I sort of said, it's funny because like, design education isn't really doing any teaching of writing. And, and you, were, no. you sort of said, well, that's actually fine because there's writing schools out there teaching 
Well, it's not. I, I think writing should be should be part of um, any any design course because designers have to deal with language and have to think about the the ideas that they're putting into their work. I think if I, I think teaching designers to be writers. Um, I think that's great if you're if you have a natural tendency to be good at both, but I, I don't think everybody everybody does. Hmm. Um, it's interesting how much um, like we talk about UX deal with a lot of students these days, and we're looking at iterations on websites, and we're looking at um, A/B testing different versions of websites, and how how strong an influence on the language that you use can affect which which um, design is more successful. Oh, really? Yeah, so the language of the button. So, you know, um, sign up doesn't doesn't yield fantastic results with right. people, but if it's something much more casual, like inquire or something like that, oh, that right. button will get clicked more. So That's a whole and, science. Exactly, and that's not the shape of the button or the aesthetics. That's language, Yeah, which is really interesting. So we're having to tackle that, you know, in professional development way right now. Right. Which is really interesting because we sort of aren't really taught that in design school. Yeah, it's... So, but, you know, because I'm a writer, quite quite often um, in design, designers, when they think about me as a writer, they think I'm interested only in in words, or that that's my. Whereas coming from advertising, I, I'm interested in the ideas. The words come, the words are how I might bring it to life. But right. the idea is where I start. Mm. And uh, I've, I found it quite interesting in the beginning that designers would talk to me about words the way they, the same way they would talk about. You know, lighting to a photographer—it's like it's like this is. I guess it's your specialty, but just make it look nice. Make it sound uh, nice. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's quite. Yeah, I, I mean, I am a writer, but I don't. I don't think of myself as a writer. I, I feel like I just think more that I'm a, a creative, mm. um, and I think that's a big leap for our design because that's not where writers have sat. Because I, I only really, I always thought of you as yeah, a creative, a designer, you know, just I'd put it all in the same bucket. Mm. But it's only when so you did the Agda event last year, which was putting words in the picture. Yeah, how do words get in the picture? Where you had a whole bunch of writers come in mm. and talk to designers about what they do, and how how do you, do you think that was a good event? Yeah, there was, we got some good feedback about that. I think it's I think it's important to have the conversations I mean I don't know I know there are a lot of writers that were really happy about it and there were a lot of designers who thought it was kind of interesting to hear uh, we had three writers speak we had someone from uh, branding background someone from advertising and somebody from design and I guess the hope was that they would sort of talk about um, how they work from the point of view of their industry just to kind of open up to that there are different ways of working mm. you know and and I, yeah, I, I think it was interesting. I'd love to do something else like that. Um, I suppose that's my that was my reason for getting involved in Agda. I felt like writers were um, kind of underrepresented. Um, and, you know, you, you can't even be a full member of Agda as a writer. You can only be an associate member. Really, I said true. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. yeah, I'm an associate member. Of you, yeah, yeah it's, it does it doesn't make you feel very included. Mm. But I mean, Agda are very inclusive. They've got a great sort of community and. Um, they have embraced me and my, you know, my writing drum that I've been banging. So why, talk more about that, why, why do designers need to know more about writing and know how to work with writers? I think it makes, I think it makes for better work. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose the, the most common criticism design gets is that it's decoration and it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you involve a writer from the beginning, uh, I think it 
I think that process means you get to the crux of an idea first. I mean, I guess I suppose that's the advertising model. You have a writer and an art director and they, they talk about um, the brief and the opportunities first and it's only once they've got a, an idea that they feel is strong that they break down into how they might bring it to life and the craft and writing, what have you. Whereas it feels like it can go anywhere in design and maybe that's great because maybe you get to different a different place but sometimes I think the idea is kind of jammed in or is secondary mm-hmm. and it's not always successful. What would you say to someone that um, might be listening to the show um, that doesn't know a lot about writing but might want to learn more about how it can impact their design? Is there, I don't know, is there any, anywhere they could go? Like, How would they find out about a little bit more about writing for design? I don't know if there is anywhere. There's nowhere. Um, writing for design. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I did award school and I found that incredibly... I mean, it's how I got into um, advertising, but... It does teach you how uh, cons- very like um, sort of con- conceptual thinking. I mean, designers do that all the time. Um, but to be sort of more single-minded in your whether it's with language or whether it's visual, the way they work together, it makes the outtake of your communication, whatever it is, quite single-minded. And I think they teach that quite well. And so I, I, I think that's that's probably the only thing I could suggest because I don't know a writing, I don't know a writing for mm-hmm. design course. Yeah. If you don't know, then if I don't that, know. That's, that's, there's, that could there's, be a there's some good books out there. There's, um, I'm going to get this name wrong, Ellen Upton does a, a few, but more based around research mm. and research writing, so yeah. as opposed to kind of just good writing. Um, but you're also very involved with the award now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm on the committee for award. Um, it's just been just the last um, six months, I think, I've been involved. And I quite like the idea of being involved with award and with AGDA. Um, I think, and I know designers um, feel they kind of cringe a bit when you talk about advertising, and I think advertisers are a bit dismissive when you talk about design, you know, generally so speaking. Funny, it? It's true. It's so true. Yeah. Why, why is that, though? Well, I, the only thing I can... Because I think when designers think about design, they think of top tier. And when they think of advertising, they think of bottom tier mm. and, and reverse. Whereas when you think, you know, the best of advertising and design, I think, is interchangeable. It's awesome. And the worst has, is, is bad on both sides. Yeah. Um, but I think both industries would benefit from exposure to some uh, of the other's way of thinking. And I suppose to that end, I'm really hoping because I'm involved with both AGDA and Award, that maybe we can open up some of our events to each other and we can get some advertising people coming to the AGDA events, which are awesome. And, um, and in the same way, getting some designers to sort of come along and hear some of the advertising people speak. I mean, um, um, Wyden, Dan Wyden was here just recently mm. from Wyden Kennedy in the U.S., and he was quite quite interesting yeah, speaker. Right. But, I mean, people can go to each other's events already, right? Like, I think uh, most Agile events, there's a public version. They can, I yeah. think, but they don't know about it, I yeah. think, is part you, of the problem. You need to bring a posse. So. And, yeah. you know, and yet yeah. you want to feel included, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, um... It is, it is a strange... I've, my brother-in-law um, is in advertising, and it's funny when we get together and we talk, it's always like, oh, yeah, and we are actually into the same things, but then... it. You know, it's almost like he's in a sort of different world and I'm in a different world. And, and it's always a surprise to us that we actually are following the same things or, mm. or um, you know, really engaged or inspired by the same things. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's really interesting. And I think only good would come of it if we yeah. shared more and more. I think we go to so many things. We look at so many, you know, podcasts and hmm. videos and things for inspiration, go to art galleries. Yet we have this whole other body that's kind of looking for the same thing and having all of these great events that we're not, hmm. we're not going to. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Because I, I do feel like I pay attention to a lot of industry news, but I guess when I say industry... Oh, I'm thinking design did you, industry. Did yeah. you just say interesting? Did I know? Yeah. Did I? Oh, okay. All right. So, Flynn Juan. Okay. So we did have a, we have, we had a comment recently from one of our listeners who said, um, "Hey guys, just letting you know, you say interesting after everything." That is true. And we listened back, and it turns out that we do say interesting after anything. Obviously, it's the caliber of guests we've been lucky right. enough to attract <laughs> to the show. Um, but we're starting an interesting tip jar. Yeah, which was actually the listeners' idea. Idea, yeah. which is a great idea. So that's one so one that? dollar to you. Is that a dollar? Okay. Yeah. We'll see. What we'll, we'll put some money towards something at the end of the season. And we'll probably have five hundred dollars by the end. But um, yeah, okay. I'm down one point. I feel like I've been good. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I just sure. haven't been calling you out. <laughs> so we have a question of the week, uh, which uh-huh. Amy left us a question last week, um, and her question to you was a big one. Mm. What's wrong with design today? It is a big question. Um, I didn't like this question <laughs> because, you know, I think if you look at good design, I think there's nothing wrong with good design, and you know, bad design, of course, there's everything wrong with it. Um, but I do think. There's, there's an issue that the design industry has which I think needs addressing and it's one that the advertising industry has as well and I, I guess it you know the, the umbrella topic I suppose is, is women in the industry yeah. and that's been you know it's not, not new that there's not very many enough women I suppose but I was at the AGDA awards in, in Tasmania recently and they had three um, Hall of Famers three Hall of Fame awards and they're all men and they all deserved it absolutely there's no doubt about that but what I heard was that you know the, the people sort of organising it all really would have liked to have included a female designer in the mix but the problem was there was no no, no female designer that had a, a large enough body of work to be kind of no. considered which is heartbreaking um, it is and, and it's the same for advertising. And one of the things I have to do with the ward um, at the end of this year is, is choose somebody for the Hall of Fame. And it's very difficult going through the list to just find somebody to even put on it or to find someone, could I put them on in five years or could I put them on a list in ten years? And um, I think how we... How, we don't keep women in the industry um, for long enough. And I don't know why. See, that's, that's where I think that point is probably the real key point because if I think about education providers in design, um, you, you would definitely say there's, there's a big female population there and, and you know, there's lots of females who are graduating who are coming out, but mm. I think it's, it's, it's exactly right. They're almost it's not like they're staying in the industry long enough. Well, it's, it could be that. It could be because I, what I love about the design industry is that there's lots of small studios and that it's um, an industry where you can start a small studio and maybe that's what more women are doing versus staying in maybe the bigger studios where you get yeah. to work on... Um, sort of bigger projects and the kind of projects that you know would take up you know would help you build a body of work that would make you eligible for a hall of fame so um so they're getting pushed out in in some way Mm. it's the same in advertising um 
what they found like they, this uh, advertising award school that they do every year and to apply you have to sort of do some creative work to apply and it's judged by a group of people and last year was the first year that they did blind judging so they the judges weren't blind the um <laughs> only blind judges for yeah they, but they took the names off all of the books right so, so they didn't know who was so they didn't know right. if it was from a, a man or a, a woman and the increase in female applicants rose by 400 percent see that's amazing that's yeah, four, 400 percent that's Wow, that's... It's astounding. And so did they do any analysis about that? Why? Um, there is a term for it when, when you're... It's, it's not... I don't think anyone's doing it deliberately. I think it's just when you, you just have a natural tendency towards people that are like Gen- yourself. Gender bias. Gender bias. Yeah. Were all the um, judges male? No. Right. No. It was a mix of judges. Um, I guess you think about... I mean, I'm going to pull out an analogy to a TV show, but Mad Men and that kind of stuff. I mean, that was... That whole story was kind of built on that sort of Peggy's journey and trying to be recognised. And um, do you think that still is around? Well, yeah, I guess for women, we're mainly secretaries there, so it's yeah. not just an adverti- limited to advertising. Um, I, there's, there's definitely not enough women in creative departments, so I think how to get them in there is the first thing, and then how to keep women there is the second because um, advertising is different from design in that it's not as easy to have a small, um, a small agency and do big work. So I, I think you either you work for one of the big agencies or you kind of do something a bit different. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, that's, that, that's my question for the next person. The, and, look, there does seem to be more and more kind of smaller um, studios, design studios starting up. Um, who are quite who have a kind of level they want to get to and that and they're quite happy at that kind of level mm. and so um, definitely in that kind of as opposed to maybe you know go back ten years and it was all about growth and it was all about you know getting bigger and bigger and more staff and everything. Um, Stefan Sagmeister was talking about staying small. Mm. You know, he has a very small. I mean, he's got an ideal situation because he can pick and choose from like the best projects and yeah. not everyone has has and that option. Staff, yeah. yeah, we can now. Yeah, you know, he's, he's kind of earned, yeah. he's earned his way to do that. Yeah. Mark, Mark Gowing talks about staying small. Yeah, he's always talked about sort of keeping mm. it, keeping it small. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's definitely something to that. Hmm. Yeah, cool. So that was your. So in there was a question. So for, my, yeah, my question for the next person is: How do we keep women in the industry for longer? Cool. I mean, and I, I feel like it's like it's a ten to twenty year thing to resolve it's, it's yeah. not a short term i think pregnancy is always a big problem mm. um just because yeah you're exactly right it's like you know it gets three years out of the industry and you know what can happen in the industry is, is pretty amazing mm. in three years yeah and then how you come back because i was three years out but then coming back i worked for a couple of years three days a week and then four days a week i'm only really now both my children are at school that i can work five days can i ask can i ask you why you came back to the industry because I love it. Okay. I mean, I, I love what I do. Because not everybody does, right? Is that part of the problem? That people have babies and they come back and they don't, they don't come back to the industry? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to speak for everybody. I, from the people that I know, I don't think it's that they decide they don't. I think if they don't want to come back, it's they don't want to come back to the kind of grueling aspect of, of the job. You know, yeah. if you're in a big agency, it's incredible hours and, yep. you know, late the meetings. The job needs to be and, finished now. Yeah. And I think it's difficult 
to be a parent and work in that way. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you've got someone either at home or someone handling that aspect of your life, it makes it much easier. Hmm. So that question is open to all of our listeners as well. So if you have some thoughts on that, please let us know Hmm. through social media or um, Twitter. Anything, pretty much. Yep. But we will pass that on to the next person. Yeah, great. Um, so we might start winding down the show. Um, we have a little bit of news. We mentioned last week that we're going to do a live show really soon. Uh, I think it's okay to, uh, to announce it now. I hope so. Anyway, it's Jackie Winter Gives You the Business, which is an event that ran really successfully in Melbourne, which is coming to Sydney on May the 9th. It's going to be at University Hall at UTS uh, from 9 to 6. So we're going to have a guest with us just like we always do. Um, that's going to come on and, and help us kind of run this show. Uh, the event is all about arming people with the essentials of starting, sustaining, or growing an emerging creative practice, and it's going to be really transparent. So we're going to—it's kind of the nitty gritty about dealing with clients. Hmm. Um, so it's going to be a. What are we going to do to make it live? Yeah, well, we're going to do it on stage. So yeah. that's, I'm going to have to wear something special. Yeah, wear your silly hat that you always wear. My daughter took her Easter hat to school today, so maybe I could wear that. That's really exciting. And, and yeah, you, you found out before the show that both of your kids go to the same school. But not only that, yeah. they're, they're in the same class. They're in the same class. <laughs> they have the same teacher. Yeah, yeah. Right. the same teacher. So that's hilarious. Well, there we go. Small yeah. world. It is a small yeah. world. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Australian Design Radio. You can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm. Um, we might just go around the table and just ask everybody um, where can people find you after the show if people want to find out about the business or find yeah, you. Yeah, uh, they can find me on LinkedIn, um, Mrs. Factor on Twitter, uh, Factor with a K, um, or Yonder Creative. Great. Excellent. And Matt, where can people find you? Uh, at Leechworth and uh, Matt underscore Leech. And I actually at Instagram. And I actually tried to get Leechworth at Instagram. And it turns out I've got it. <laughs> I hate that guy. He's always... But I don't, I don't have the password and they won't give it to me. So, I don't know. You can, file, you can file a complaint. I am filing a complaint. You can do it. <laughs> And you can find me at flintracy.com and pretty much on anything at F-O-I-N-T-R-A-C-Y. Uh, if you have any suggestions uh, for the show, topics, guests, or something you'd like us to ask someone, uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.